Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. The first time I visited my friend Wendy at her home was 518 days after she had rear-ended and killed the head football coach at Cranbrook High School. I remember this number because as I walked into her front door immediately on the right was a huge stack of letters. When I asked her to explain them, she said, yeah, that's the collection of letters that I've written to the man I killed. One letter a day for the last 518 days. Wendy's guilt, shame, and remorse for this drunk driving accident had little bearing on her sentencing. I visited her on Friday at the women's prison in Ypsilanti, where she will be incarcerated until she's 65 years old. And that was the criminal suit. The civil suit, or the lawsuit, brought on by the coach's family soon followed. It was settled rather quickly out of court. Wendy comes from money, and the settlement certainly set her back quite a bit. But she didn't care. Take what you want, she said. I killed somebody. My life is over. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, as we heard this morning, Jesus told his disciples to go forward preaching a very important gospel, my friends. It is the gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins. It is as if Jesus knew how paralyzing and debilitating and poisonous these things can be when we fail to say we're sorry or we languish in the unforgiveness of others, especially ourselves, as Wendy had and as Wendy still does. Like Wendy, we can go into a spiral of self-loathing and self-pity when we realize what we have done which may not necessarily be taking a life, but think about it, staying in a relationship too long, allowing too much abuse, accepting less than we deserve. We all regularly beat ourselves up. We talk nasty to ourselves when we don't do what we wish we could have done. Experts say one of the best ways to combat this is to be more gentle with ourselves talk more positively to ourselves. See yourself and talk to yourself like God might, or at the very least, as if you were talking to a good friend who'd done the same thing. Wendy might tell herself it was not intentional. You didn't mean to kill the coach. Yeah, you made a horrible decision and you have to pay the consequences. But how many other people have done the same thing, driven impaired, but run into a mailbox instead, or somehow made it home safely? Of course, that doesn't make it right, but it does underline the truth that you're a good person who did a dumb and horrible thing. And by the way, welcome to the club. A lot of us have problems with forgiving ourselves. Maybe it's something that you are wrestling here with this morning. Self-forgiveness, it can begin by being nicer to yourself and say it again and talk nicely to yourself, not harboring unrealistic expectations not holding ourselves to impossible standards, but realizing that we are frail humans living in an accidental world. 
And there's probably not a person within earshot who doesn't know what this is all about. As 17th century Puritan William Bradford is credited with saying, but for the grace of God, go I. Maybe you've come to church this morning under the weight of an awful mistake, miscalculation, omission, or blunder. Maybe it happened this week, maybe it happened years ago, and you may be having a hard time seeing beyond what you've done, and you may be feeling guilty, remorseful, and truly sorry. Chances are, you are not alone. As most of you know, I accidentally killed somebody 10 years ago, coming November, and the weight of that tragedy will always be carried. I was recently elected president of the world's largest support group for those who commit unintentional harm. And I bring this up with the hopes that I can discuss this topic more uh, in depth in a connection hour, perhaps in the fall, after uh, we start up those uh, connection hour forums and to call attention to the ways that I have experienced and witnessed what getting through accidental harm looks like, because it is intimately correlated with the gospel Jesus asks you and me to embrace this morning. It's interesting, moments before he ascended into heaven, the gospel of forgiveness and repentance. That gospel asks you and me to behave as Jesus commended on more than one occasion, like children. Here's what I mean. Every year, I like to keep this ritual up with, with my kids, and that is getting an ice cream cone on the first warm day of spring. I've been doing this for years, and one thing I find is that when I say, sun's out, let's get ice cream, I have never heard the response. I'm not going, Dad, because I hit my sister yesterday and I just don't deserve it. <laughs> Under the same category of responses I have never heard, I didn't put my toys away or I threw food against the wall, so I'm not worthy of an ice cream cone. Kids are not wired that way. They immediately accept God's gifts. And I wonder if Jesus wants you and me to recapture just a little bit of that ease of receiving grace. Grace that you are forgiven. Grace that you are accepted. Grace that the mistakes you have made do not define you. You are worthy. Now, what flavor would you like? Forgiveness of ourselves, that lofty enterprise that is always connected, however, to our forgiveness of other people. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Forgiving as we have been forgiven. It's easy, so it's not. Say it's a $5 offense. Bumped into you while you were carrying your coffee, you spilled some, hey, sorry about that. Maybe it's a, $500 response, that gets more difficult. I back up and I damage your car. Maybe it's a $5,000 transgression and I talk badly about you to your boss and I cost you a promotion. Up into the millions it goes if I injured your child. And the most difficult people to forgive, and I may get an amen here, because the most difficult people to forgive are those who don't apologize. They never ever say they're sorry, often because the truth hurts and they want to avoid the pain. As we know, there are some people who won't apologize even when the facts are right in front of them. I won't mention politicians. <laughs> there are people who don't think you deserve an apology. There are people who will blame you saying, well, you made me do it. 
There are people who will only apologize with actions. Never say a word. Truth hurts. There are people who won't apologize because of their ego. There are people who will, will break if they tell the truth. And there are some people who simply don't have the capacity to be accountable for their actions. How frustrating is this? So much easier to forgive when somebody says they're sorry. But that's the tough forgiveness, is when they don't say they're sorry. And we remember Jesus' words, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Getting to a place of forgiveness, of forgiving the offender, regardless of their attitude towards us, though, is, is so important, and I think we all know that. The gospel of repentance and forgiveness is about forgiving others as we would like to be forgiven, not done simply because God says so, but because we are better off when we do those things. By forgiving them, we get a sense of closure, and we tend to feel better. I finished a book recently by a Wayne State graduate, a woman named Nidra Glover Tawab, and she puts it this way. She says that forgiveness gives us the gift of peace. When we forgive somebody, we give ourselves the gift of peace. So don't do it for them. Do it for you. Do it knowing that you are pleasing God. And let's remember, forgiveness is not a pass for what they did. Forgiveness is not access to you but it's a release so that we no longer own that negative energy. Now, some of us, maybe most of us, don't take the time to do this correctly. You've all heard of the phrase, forgive and forget. Of course, we want to do this as fast as possible. We want to get past the pain, so we adopt this posture without taking the time to process the hurt, to slowly rebuild the trust, and to decide if we need to show up differently in a relationship. In actual practice, most of us don't forgive and forget. We forgive and repress, which fits into our norms of shutting it off and moving on as fast as possible. But we can't move on, folks, when we repress it. We can't move on until we're intentionally working through what's really happening. For example, when we move too quickly, we fall victim to the fallacy that once you're forgiven, you can't talk about it anymore. Why are you bringing that up? said, I'm sorry, you said I'm forgiven. We forget that holding on to emotions without fully processing them can come back to bite us. We forget that the memories of the incident, especially if it was very serious, don't vanish so quickly, and that we need time and opportunity to bring the subject up over and over again. We can also mistake forgiveness for reconciliation and think we must stay in an unhealthy situation because we've expressed forgiveness. But we need to consider what the ongoing relationship is going to look like and if that other person can do what needs to be done to truly reconcile. We also think that, that, that once we've forgiven somebody, we can no longer be angry. But the truth is, especially for big offenses, these things take time. Anger ebbs and flows like the ocean. We need to realize that we can get angry because we still have underlying feelings associated with the depth of our pain, which like a bad cut or a broken limb, doesn't vanish just because we say it does. Forgiveness, let's do it first, but first let's do it right. You know, with all the recent attention on England and the coronation of Charles III, if we go back to our history books and look at Charles II, we find a concept 
that we still are in need of today. In 1660 was the year legislation was passed in England, and that legislation was called the Acts of Oblivion. The Acts of Oblivion. As you history buffs know, this followed the English Civil War in which the monarchy was dissolved for a number of years before being restored. And once that restoration occurred, in order to keep peace in the land, politicians actually banned people from bringing up the past. It was illegal to write and speak and engage in actions that were rooted in previous disputes. These are arguments and feuds that were be, to be tossed into oblivion. Interesting concept, isn't it? Mm -hmm. While forgiving was not legislated, forgetting sure was. And the attempt to do something so essential to the common good is something that we need today. We need a world where there's more forgiving. We need a world where there's more understanding. We need a world that is more compassionate, which is why we need you and me to go forth and preach Jesus's gospel of forgiveness and repentance. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, in the parish hall once, and there was a guy who come here who was new. I had talked to him a couple times. He said, you know, I've been to this church a couple times, and you know, you, you don't preach about sin enough. And I said, well, there's good reason for that. My congregation is very well acquainted with sin. <laughs> it's the repentance and forgiveness that we need to learn about. And I think Jesus knew this. Today, as we celebrate the Ascension Day and Jesus' command to bring this gospel of forgiveness and repentance into the world, I'm going to ask you what that looks like in your life. Who do you need to forgive? Who needs your forgiveness? Is it you? Is it somebody else? Let us examine more closely the things that keep us from receiving forgiveness. Am I too good for it? From knowing that God accepts us no matter who we are or what we've done, am I not good enough for it? And let us look more closely at forgiving others, at those with whom we're angry, the imperfect situations that get us down, and let us call upon the Lord God to help us let it go. Now, years ago, when that movie Frozen, and every little kid was running around singing, let it go, let it go, let it go. I thought that's a really good lesson if they weren't singing it so doggone much. <laughs> May the coming Holy Spirit grant us strength to be kinder and gentler with ourselves and to be humble and forgiving with others. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.